This podcast is brought to you by RMA, the Risk Management Association. RMA's sole purpose is to advance the use of sound risk management principles in the financial services industry. Learn more at rmahq.org. Hi, I'm Stephen Krasowski, Communications Manager at RMA. Today I'm joined by Brandon Cooper, a financial services industry expert with over 30 years experience with banks like MBNA America, Western Alliance Bancor, the Bancor Bank, and a reg tech company to discuss the impact of regulation on third-party risk management, challenges of third-party risk, and how third-party risk fits into an organization's overall ERM framework. Brandon, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and uh, certainly always an honor to be involved with RMA in any way that I can. Perfect. So, Brandon, it seems like third-party risk management has suddenly become one of the biggest regulatory concerns. Why do you think that is? You know, it's interesting because um, I, it's it's actually kind of amazing. I think it's almost the convergence of a perfect storm of issues that have come up over the past few years. Obviously, everybody's focused heavily on cybersecurity issues that have come up. Um, we've seen numerous data breaches. I mean, we can go all the way back to the target breach and infamous things like that. We've even seen regulators getting breached. I mean, we've had multiple regulatory uh, authorities reporting their own violations. But even since um, the FDIC uh, published Financial Institution Letter of 44 of 2008, and then the Federal Financial Institution Examination Council um, published its guide on outsourcing technology, and then the OCC bulletin, obviously, 2013-29, it really seems like there's been this steady drumbeat of we need to focus more on third-party risk because we need to understand what, it, you know, what are the particular impacts or uh, particular concerns that could impact our customers, our financial systems, or even you know, our institutions. So everybody is taking a look today at, at third-party risk management. And then when the CFPB really started honing in on unfair, deceptive, abusive acts or practices, known as UDAP violations, and using that as sort of their broadsword for a lot of their enforcement actions, it really became a clarion call that we all need to pay attention to the role that uh, third parties are playing with us. Great, thanks. From your perspective, what is the most challenging part of third-party risk management? I think it's trying to give equal weight to all of the pillars of third-party risk. And by that, I mean, you know, everybody focuses on selecting new third party or writing contract requirements or doing the appropriate due diligence or conducting the appropriate level of a risk assessment. But oftentimes when the contract gets signed and that honeymoon phase is over, people tend to forget about what their obligations are from a third-party risk management perspective. And so what that means is that a lot of the ongoing uh, monitoring requirements get forgotten about. And that's a problem because all of a sudden you've got consumer complaints bubbling up, you've got third parties failing to live up to contractual obligations, and nobody notices until the car hits the guardrail or hits the pothole, so to speak. And then it becomes a problem because obviously you've got the regulator's attention or you've got a real consumer harm uh, issue going on. Um, So I think it's always ongoing monitoring that gets forgotten about. But I think the real challenge for all of us is to make sure that we're giving equal weight to all those pillars so that, you know, you, you don't have that front porch type scenario where one column doesn't work as well as the others, and, and eventually the whole thing just kind of caves in on itself. Can you share some of the best practices you've seen in categorizing risk? Sure, and, and I'll, I'll uh, steal shamelessly from something I've learned at conferences over the years. Um, I think the fundamental best practice that I've seen, and, and we've been written up in congratulatory ways for it as well, is dividing risk into two fundamental tranches. 
I mean, on one side, you have the business impact risk, and on the other side, you have the regulatory risk. Business impact risk is really those things that can stop you in your tracks if something goes wrong. So from a business continuity standpoint, obviously. So if you've got a critical third party, like your core processor or you know an ATM provider, something that's gonna put you out of business today or tomorrow, those are the ones that you need to think about from being either uh, critical or non-critical from a business impact perspective. On the other side of the equation, you have the regulatory risks. And those are the strategic risk, compliance risk, operational risk, reputation risk, all the things that are laid out in the various bulletins. And you can rate those as being high, moderate, or low. And obviously, in some cases, you can have a critical third party that's low risk. Um, you think of the, the phone company is probably the easiest example of that. On the flip side, you've got a non-critical third party that's high risk. Uh, and, and from there, I would say like your shred vendor is probably the best example. I mean, you can replace them tomorrow from a criticality or business impact standpoint, but they're walking out the door every single day with all of your you know, most confidential information you have. So I think it's appropriate to take a balanced approach and think about them both from, okay, what happens if they go dark? And then what happens if we have a real regulatory issue here? Um, and, and then judge accordingly. I mean, in some cases, that drives due, deeper due diligence. In some cases, that requires more contractual obligations or notification requirements. In, in some cases, it means, you know, just really understanding what is going to happen with this third party if they suddenly cease to exist. How do we write an exit strategy that says, I want to minimize disruption to the business or to the customer? And then how do we test for that? So, I mean, I think if you take that balanced approach of business impact and regulatory risk impact, you're nine times out of 10 going to have the right answer. Thanks. Brandon, how does third-party risk management fit into an organization's overall ERM framework? Again, great question, because a lot of times people kind of uh, try to morph the two into, into one discipline. And I don't think that works, because enterprise risk management to me looks broadly across the entire organization for obvious reasons. Uh, Third-party risk management really drills deeply, depending on the type of product or service you're outsourcing, into any of a variety of different levels of risk. So you might think of credit risk in some cases. You might think of compliance risk. But at the end of the day, you've also got to make sure that it does bubble up to your overall ERM policy so that you're not taking undue risks or you know, going beyond what your overall risk appetite is. That's an important consideration when you're signing on a new third party. So, for example, if you're, you know, kind of this mainstream, we always do this this way uh, type of institution, and then you go sign with this flashy, I'm always in the headlines, uh, bad news happens to follow me all the time type of third party, you're obviously going to trip a lot of different things, not only from a third party standpoint, but also from your enterprise risk appetite standpoint. So I think you need to take that balanced approach to saying, you know, enterprise risk management looks at us from the 50,000 foot view, but then third party risk management delves right down to the five foot view almost. Great. Brandon, to wrap up, can you share one of your favorite stories about a site visit and how it helped you validate the company's risk assessment posture? Sure. And actually, I'll, I'll give you an example of one that helped us not validate it. Um, we, had, we had a company we were doing business with several years ago, I won't name names. And uh, we decided we needed to do a site visit because they were a new, critical, and high-risk third party we were going to be doing business with. And they sent us a terrific proposal. They sent us a terrific information security policy. And we said, okay, great. That sounds good. Let's, uh, let's meet. We went out there. And um, lo and behold, their security cameras didn't exist. We were able to walk into the facility unescorted, unbadged, unsigned in. 
anything like that. Throughout the day, you know, we were given free access to wander around the facility. Sometimes it's helpful to be able to be able to validate what you see in, in writing by seeing it in person. And that was a great example where we all walked away scratching our heads saying, we don't really want to do business with this company at this point. And, you know, what we've been told is not what we've seen. So my, my message and all of that is the old trust but verify is, is appropriate to consider. And, and in this case, it really was you know, a bright wake up call for all of us that said, we don't want to be doing business with the company. They've lied to us and they've um, shown us the worst of, of what can happen with a, a third party relationship. Great. Brandon, this was very informative. Thank you again for joining us today. Sure. Thanks for having me. And uh, as always, it's a pleasure being involved with RMA.